At the uh, Dallas Regional Chamber's annual meeting, we had the great fortune to run into Tim Cahill, who's the Executive Vice President of Lockheed Martin. We asked him to join us, and he is. Good to have you with us. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. So Lockheed Martin, that's a fascinating business, and I, but... You know, when I think of when I think of the defense industry, I think of the government, not just our government, but the other governments. So there's a lot of interaction with Washington D.C. I guess. Oh, well, there is, and and um, it's not just for what we're, as you say, engaging with the with the U.S. government on. It's uh, every international transaction that happens, the U.S. government has to be part of it, and so it's um, that's very very important to us. The U.S. government is key to our. Uh, success in in pretty much all ways, but that's really the essential thing is you've got to have international customers for for your you know for your goods, right? Yeah, for 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 where we are, I think yes, that's true, and 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 I think it's it's consistent with the United States um, national policy. Frankly, is that you you build alliances, you 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 go. You uh, you defend yourself with allies, and so those allies have to have the best equipment in the world as well. And so it goes hand in glove, I think, with what uh, the policy of the country has been for now since the Second World War. I think when Russia in- invaded Ukraine, it took an extra level of understanding on the part of the public about what's involved in this and and how how remarkable some of the defense equipment is right now. It's got to help your market, I guess, ultimately. Well, it does, and I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say that without without pointing out the tragedy that is Ukraine, the human tragedy. But I think the thing that it has brought to bear is something that I think all of us who have been who have been involved in this business for a long time realize, and that is that if you're going to prepare for these kind of um, these kind of situations, you've got to have enough capability, hopefully, to deter. That's where you start. But if uh, you know, God forbid, you've actually got to get into a conflict. You've got to be able to prevail in it. And, um, you know, this one's gone on for almost a year now. And I and I suspect that uh, most experts in the world would not have thought that it w- would have gone uh, much past days or weeks. And so you have to, I think if you're any nation in the world right now, you're thinking about how could I sustain and protect myself uh, in this kind of a conflict for an extended period of time. You know, and we're beginning to see a real evolution of the use of, of equipment. Uh, it started out. I, I think nobody wanted to, you know, incur the wrath of Russia. But, but now more and more countries, us included, you know, are providing some of the sort of leading edge equipment. And in your case, the division missiles uh, that, that, uh, to Ukraine. Yeah, I think, um, well, and you, you know, many of the, the systems that we in the business have known for a long time, I think the the public and the rest of the world are knowing now HIMARS is and javelin are almost a uh, you know a household word yeah. as people are recognizing this is this is the the key i think though to bringing high technology to bear what is what i think is obvious is the russians brought um enormous quantities to bear um what the ukrainians were able to bring with western help was technology to bear and you see uh you know, how it's playing out so how cyclical is your business? I mean, are, are you disrupted by the supply chain that everybody else seems to be disrupted by? Well, there, there certainly was some challenges with the supply chain. Um, every, everybody has faced that, I think, to some extent. Um, and um, it, it, it's a little bit different, though. I think our, our supply, you know, you take a retailer is worried about product coming in. They don't have much engagement necessarily with the folks that are providing, say, toilet paper to your to your store. But... We are directly engaged with all of our suppliers, including, in some cases, having dozens of our own folks in helping them. And so it's a very um, 
it's, it's very much a partnership and less of a transactional kind of a thing. And so we can help them along with that. That's not to say we don't have impacts, but I think it's not as stark, I think, as it might be in other sectors of the economy. How far in advance do you work? I mean, do you have engineers working on products we're not going to see for a decade? <laughs> yes, we do. We do. Um, yeah, I think if you if you think about in terms of production, we probably work a couple of years ahead of time. So if you take an order now, a couple of years from now, all the parts are done and you're bringing it together. When you're looking at a development program, it could be four, six, eight, even 10 years out by the time it's fully fielded, depending upon the actual technology you're bringing to bear. So we have folks working things that are being delivered now. We have folks that are working things that won't be delivered for another decade. So are you affected by currency? We, you know, we've, we've seen this period of so a much, much, much stronger dollar, which you know hurts an exporter, makes our goods a lot more expensive to them. Yeah, a, a little bit. I think the, the biggest impact we have with currency is just being able to, to um, adequately uh, price our product when you don't know where the currency is going to go because you're obviously operating in the 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 the, um, the currency of the local market. Um, typically, I, I haven't seen where the the strength or the weakness of the dollar has directly affected a purchase decision, but it certainly affects us in our bottom line as that those fluctuations occur because you have to project out so far. Yeah, exactly. So, so the history of Lockheed Martin in this area. You've been here. You know, in North Texas forever. What are the operations that you have here right now? Well, so we have an incredible operation here. We had about 4,000 people um, in the kind of the Grand Prairie area. Of course, the aeronautics division, uh, our, uh, my, my colleagues uh, Greg Ulmer and his, and his team over on the Fort Worth side, uh, thousands of employees building F-35s right. and have been for a long, long time. Uh, we've got folks within Lufkin. And, in fact, if you take that collectively, Texas is our largest our presence in, in the United States is largest in Texas. Texas is our biggest state, and um, and Grand Prairie and uh, uh, and Fort Worth are our two biggest locations. That's it. What, what did, was that organic growth, or did you did you take over Chance Vault? Um, yes, we did that. It, it's a it's um, it, it, uh, Lockheed Martin, like any of the the current aerospace defense security companies, are a, a, a collection of a bunch of different companies, right. dozens in many cases, and so it wasn't much. It was much of where the geography was. Um, in Aero's case, of course, there was a, a plant there all the way from World War II at uh, built, I think it was B-29s and then F-16s and now F-35s. Um, for us, it was a collection of a number of different companies, but yes, Vought was definitely one of them. And, and Lockheed Martin's uh, been a good citizen around here for a long time. Tim Cahill is the Executive Vice President of Lockheed Martin and joins us today for the Dallas Regional Chamber Annual Meeting where people are still talking very loudly all around us. <laughs> Thank they you are. for putting up with that. We yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely, Dave. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for more of our conversation. Go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.